Would you give your mum, dad, aunt or that uncle who hugged your partner a little too long free access to your phone? Oh no! Oh my god, it's, it's a really long video! Ew! In Dave's brand new YouTube original, Get Off My Phone, we've got six comedians to give their phones over to a relative with total freedom to read messages, DMs, photos and browser history. What's your social history? Sorry? What to do? Tips for relief. The rules are simple. Their relative can read anything they want and even make calls from the comedian's phone. What is this? What is I know what this one is. That, that looks really okay. bad. Starring Tanya Moore, Anya Magliano, Finlay Christie, Travis J with his mum Angie Lamar, Hayley Morris, Grace Campbell and dad Alistair Campbell. Slightly sexually compromising <laughs> Divulging their deepest digital secrets. <laughs> what the hell is happening? Get off my phone. A Dave YouTube original. Available now on Dave's YouTube channel. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Conversations Against Living Miserably, a podcast where we try to find solace in a world where our brains are usually against us. My name is Aaron Gillis, and each week I'll be joined by... Me, Lauren Patterson. Each week we chat to a different guest about how they try and live their life without misery. But we try and do it with a little bit of laughter, because otherwise that sounds like a pretty gloomy idea for a podcast. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with Dave, the TV channel, and Calm, the campaign against living miserably. Morning. Uh, yes, that's a good way to start a podcast. Hello, morning, morning, morning. Welcome to episode 17 um, of Conversations Against Living Miserably. But you probably guessed that already because you clicked on this to listen to it. So well done you. Today is off to a good start. Um, this week's guest is David Mominy. David is an actor who has starred in Dave's sitcom Sliced, Channel 4's Dead Pixels and Statelet's Flats. And he's uh, recently had a role in the new Fast and Furious spin-off, Hobbs and Shaw, which... Uh, well, from my personal opinion, would be the crowning achievement of any actor's CV uh, to work along Dwayne, 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 Dwayneson. Um, David is also the founder of Open Door, a charity that gives young people from low socioeconomic backgrounds the opportunity to attend some of England's top drama schools. And uh, we talk a bit about that in today's podcast. But we also talk about uh, confidence, uh, the challenges young people face today, and uh, there's a bit of museum chat that kind of goes throughout the uh, goes throughout the entire episode, which is very strange. But um, oh, I mean, what do you expect from this podcast at this point? Um, what else do I need to say? Usual admin. If you could rate, review, uh, like, subscribe, all that jazz, 
Um, to, just, just to be honest, because it just makes us go up in the iTunes chart, and the further we get up, the more people listen. The more people listen, the more money we make for Calm, and uh, we can all sleep easy at night. That's what we can do in this world that's perpetually on fire. Uh, we can have a nice night's sleep if it's not too hot, because um, recently it has been very hot and I haven't slept at all. Anyway, uh, here is uh, Lauren and myself talking to David Mominy. David Mominy, welcome. Thank, Thank you so you. much Thanks for joining for having us. Having me. Hello. Um, so we'll start with the question we always start with. When was the last time you felt calm? I felt calm a few weeks ago when I had some time off, and I was um, I didn't have any like deadlines or anything hanging over me, and I like on purpose I purposely like took time out, which I'm trying to do more these days, because I run a charity as well, um, which maybe we could talk about later. Oh yes. But it just means that um, that. It's this, it, you can just constantly be working because there's just always stuff to do. Um, and I think before that, I went to Cape Verde. Oh, no. and that was nice. <laughs> and there's nothing there. Like, the tourists <laughs> have just found it. Like, Tui have found it. And they have taken it over. Bastards. But we were on a non-Tui, uh, <laughs> non-Tui hotel just slightly out. It was called, like, the Buddha Retreat or something. It, it, I mean, yeah, it was lovely. Mm. It was really nice and really calming. There you go. Nice. So do you find, now that you are kind of trying to get more of a time to yourself outside of these, like, working areas, what activities or what do you, like, let yourself do on your time off, on your downtime? I think because I'm so, like, there's always stuff to do that me just sitting on the couch doing nothing is really enjoyable. Yep. I'm a big Um, advocate for that. I think that's... And, like, having a social life. Like, I realised the last couple of year like two years I haven't really like had a social life and like catching up with friends and these are really basic things that everybody like this is really basic David but like for me they don't happen I sound like a martyr don't I (laughs) they don't happen that often so like I had like a Sunday off and I was like right I'm just gonna text like a bunch of people and be like is anyone let me be a good friend again Uh Um, I'm back (laughs) yeah it's just that for me it's just those really like simple things that I don't always get to do um that I think I used to obviously just take for granted but those um, are the things that you instantly, the moment you get busy, they go away because they seem like so simplistic and mm-hmm. so kind of yeah. the everyday that you instantly forget them. I'm, like, I'm such a big advocate for the sitting on the sofa doing fuck all thing. Yeah. Because when people talk about self-care and all these different things, like, you need to go do yoga, you, know, you need to go for a massage. Like, when was the last time you sat on the sofa, chucked a box set on uh-huh. and ate crisps and just didn't think at all? And exactly. it's so lovely. Exactly that. It's like when I get time off, my boyfriend's like... What do you want to do? Where should we go? What do you want? Do you want to go cinema? Do you want to go bowling? Do you want? And I'm like, I would like to sit here in silence, and even if we don't talk, even if you don't breathe, that's absolutely. I just <laughs> yeah. want, I just want to do nothing, yeah. and I want to relish in doing nothing. And then that little five minute window will pass, and they'll be like, I've just wasted five minutes of my life. Oh my god, <laughs> yeah. I'm a disaster. Yeah. And he's like, Should we go bowling? I'm like, We should have gone bowling all along. <laughs> <laughs> it's just letting your mind buffer, isn't it? That's all it is. Like we. When, the moment you start doing activity, you're once again putting more stress on your mm-hmm. brain and you're just not giving your brain that time to catch up on itself. Yeah, and I think, like, before I didn't really understand taking time for yourself, I never really understood mm-hmm. that concept. Like, I always wanted to be around people and yeah. do stuff and talk. Mm-hmm. Like, when people went on holiday on their own, I was like, what's wrong with you? Like, you're going to be in a <laughs> bar and be like, or, like, see something amazing, like, this is great, and I realised that no one's behind you to share that moment with. <sighs> and now I'm like, no, I'm just going to take time by myself and do something... I went to the British Museum mm-hmm. to see an exhibition, 
Like, that's mad. That's yeah, like, really like, I realised, like, I'm ageing and I'm okay with it. Uh-huh. And I got there and they were like, the exhibition sold out. And I was like, well, how do I get in? They were like, you'd have to become a member. So I'm now a member of the British Museum. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, that's mad, isn't it? Like, that is actually, like... That's full I'm self-care. I'm 32, do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not... That's proper... I'm just going around, looking at the... I'm going to say it wrong. It's Syrian. Yeah. Uh-huh. So all the ancient, like... Syrian sort of that and Iraqi that kind of ancient stuff and I think because I'm half Iranian so like the ancient poet I've always been I've always liked that kind of stuff and I was like I'm going to go to this thing I'm going to go to this thing and I had this day, this day off this was the calm time uh-huh. this was the calm time I was talking about I missed the big event yeah. <laughs> the actual thing where I went to the British Museum and did that and went round and I felt great felt freaking old but like great uh, but how about theatre for you because yeah. that's quite a big part of your life isn't it it is it is and and I think Again, with the busyness, it's like actually you find yourself not going to the theatre that much because you take it for granted it's there. But yeah, like, yeah, definitely. Like, I think it's that I've not had an issue with and I've Mm -hmm. always been quite inspired by. And I probably, I probably cry, like, if I moved and cry, like, I'll probably cry more at a piece of theatre than I would TV Mm -hmm. or films at times. (laughs) Yeah, like, that's oftentimes when I'm like really moved because I guess what theatre does that television or film doesn't do is that it can change a room and everyone can feel that Mm -hmm. thing in the room. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm I'm probably more moved at the theatre. Because it's a lovely segue into the fact that you are the founder of Open Door, yeah. which is an amazing non-profit that helps young people get into drama school and experience kind of theatre yeah, uh, yeah. for people that didn't, maybe didn't have the means to do that. Um, do you mind just going into how this, yeah. this came about, if that's right? So just me as an actor, like whatever sort of level I'm working at, sort of living off it now, sort of feeling like most people didn't, my friends who are beautiful and lovely, like didn't look and sound like me. Mm-hmm. Um, but also working with young people since I was about 17, from National Youth Theatre to schools to young offenders to like the whole range and young people just not seeing that this was possible. It was all mystified and didn't know the sort of pathways, I guess. And also seeing that sort of drama school in the media had been sort of damned quite a bit and there's absolutely stuff that we can talk about later that you know has changed and is changing and all that kind of stuff but also I felt that they were coming f- that was a lot of time coming from people who hadn't stepped in one of them actually had no experience about them but had this idea of them or people that were sort of making money and exploiting young people I saw a lot of sort of projects that were people were a bit like a pyramid scheme really like they're paying money for a certain amount of time this I promise that they're going to get with an agency and and do well and I just kept people paying hundreds of pounds so um I had an idea a few years ago and I was like, I need to sort of do something. And, I, and you know, as we know, Twitter can be a very stressful place sometimes and you saw these people talking about it but not much getting done. Yeah. And I was like, what can I practically do? I know I, I was working at youth theatre and I was sitting on a panel for their auditions and two girls that were helping out they said, oh, will you look at my speeches? And um, they, I said, yeah. Um, they told me their story, how their father passed away and their mother wasn't really coping. So financially, they had to sort of keep the family going. I said, look, why don't I help you over that period of time? And they've recently just graduated from RADA and Guildhall. Oh, sure. And one play at the bridge at the moment. And then they've just got this massive job that I can't say. It's twins, but like essentially like life-changing job. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's an example of like actually... And so I was like, how can I do that on a bigger scale? So 2017, I launched it and 30 young people based in London got free auditions at Radha Lambda Guildhall Drama Centre, Royal Welsh Central. And this year we added Royal Scottish. And they get one-on-one tutoring from people like myself or Roy Alexander, who directed Nine Night in the West End. People from a similar background who has just because you're a director and actor doesn't really mean you're not to teach acting or mm-hmm. teach acting to young people necessarily mean sorry um or have that sort of pastoral ability in terms of people have confidence there's a rise of sort of mental health stuff so someone who has an ability to sort of like make someone feel okay and confident in a room and we pay for their travel if they sort of have to leave their region 
there are a series of workshops. They go to the theatre for free. They go to Donmar for free, Royal Court. Um, and where that work happens is in those buildings. So they get used to being in those buildings. And they get a buddy, a mentor each, somebody's industry. Oh, I'd sign up just for background. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sold. And I was like, if I'm lucky, I'll I'll get one or two in. And, and then what we end up with is over 200 recalls, 86 final rounds and 35 offers. So a place like Guildhall, which has been quite, I'd say they admit before, quite traditionally middle class mm-hmm. in terms of the last seven years. Mm-hmm. Nine of them got an offer. So a third of the year made up just from our scheme. So this year we've, Expanded to the East Mids because when you talk about outside London, you're talking about it's just even hard in terms of barriers mm-hmm. of trains. You both sound like you're not born in London, so you no. sort of understand that yeah. barrier being so massive. Um, yeah, and our patrons like Amelia Clark, who's a mate, uh, mm-hmm. I trained with her, and Woody Harrison because I did a film with him, and I was mm-hmm. like, he's got. I mean, people are like, why is he anything to do with British drama schools? But I just messaged him, and he said yes, yeah, amazing. And Riz Ahmed got involved, so yeah, it, I think it's kind of making a, a difference. But I didn't set up to make uh, a difference in terms of like diversifying the industry mm-hmm. but actually in terms of there's all these young people that I keep seeing that are not mm-hmm. not getting help and not making it not making it through so the more you talk about it the more it. I'm like I've seen this shared on Twitter because I did drama but again it was just wasn't a, oh I didn't think 10 years ago that it was a route for me to go to drama school because living in Newcastle I was like the thought of even getting on a train to London to go to an audition as an anxious teenager I was like mm-hmm. no like London's so big and I, I'm not going there no way and I think now it's better schools do come yeah. to the northeast and stuff they, they make the travel but at the time I was like no I physically can't get on the train to go there even if I could afford it and I was like just the thought of being on my own in this big scary city going to drama schools and I was like I'll go to university please I'll, mm. I'll do that one instead and I wish I'd had the confidence 10 years ago to be like fuck it I'm gonna go and I'm gonna make it happen because if I had the mentality I've got now 10 years ago I'd be Olivia Coleman. I swear, I'd be, yeah, I would have just been so driven and gone for it. But I think kids are so, I don't want to say fragile, but they're not ready yet. They need someone to push them. <laughs> that's what yeah. they need. I think, I think that's essentially a lot of the work. Is, yeah. Yes, you can give, if we just go free auditions and the travel, like maybe they do okay, but mm-hmm. we're also given in terms of, sort of, you're sort of dealing with like a cultural history sometimes in terms of like exposure to stuff, getting able to afford the theatre yeah. um, and, and just sort of working with like sort of high level professionals, mm-hmm. which you might get at some of those private schools who have like professional directors as part of their school. Mm-hmm. But also the thing that you said, the major thing is about confidence and you feeling like, I'm okay to travel down to London yeah. and I feel confident that, or I am good enough to do it. People like me can be in those rooms because when you talk about the North East, like how many actors are from the North East, like how they, in terms of the region, like how many, yeah. like if you just think about the Midlands, like mm-hmm. how many actors are actually disproportionately in things. It's like, it's wild how, how the disproportionality and the North East is definitely an area where we're like, we need to, we need to get it because it's just slightly neglected in terms of, in terms of drama school and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but the confidence is the massive thing and that's most of the work and hopefully like if they don't get into drama school, the, obviously they're, you know, really upset. Of course they are mm-hmm. and they're seeing their peers getting in and stuff like that. But actually they are, they're going, do you know what? But I've still learned some stuff. I feel better about myself. I feel confident mm-hmm. and I'm going to give it another crack. And I think that's the, the major part. There's a lot of pastoral care that goes into it in terms of making people feel okay, um, and that, and and I think not doing it on your own as well. Like yeah. the fact that you're there. I've asked mum for a load of travel. I'm going there. I'm doing it myself. I get rejected by myself. I don't know what rooms I'm going exactly. into. Or is, there's a group. There's a sharing of them, and there's like, oh, we're all just sort of doing it together. Mm-hmm. Um, that. If I was in a restaurant, I couldn't go to the toilet by myself like if, if I was in a restaurant I'd not been in before if I didn't know where the toilets were 
I would have to wait till my mum went to the toilet to follow her. So the thought of them going to another city, no, no, thank you, mm. no. It's very evident I had anxiety from a lot earlier than what I thought. I, I'm really enjoying how every episode you just kind of keep having an existential crisis yeah. about yourself. Uh, yeah, I'm just learning things every episode. Because I think it's um, a big part of, especially when you're in the art, is learning to deal with rejection. Yeah. And I think that, like what you were saying, having somebody else to share that, or even having that confidence built up to be able to deal with rejection is such a skill. Not it's even if they don't get in and try again and again and again, but even if they don't want to try again, that's a skill to take just in life. Because I think if I'd learned to deal with rejection a bit sooner, like now, <laughs> I get doors shut in my face left, right and centre, and I'm like, bring it at me, I don't care. <laughs> but God, I think to teach younger people that would be amazing. Mm. Incredible, yeah. I think what we tell them in terms of that is going like, you're not there to, instead of like if an actor or a comic, whatever it is, like you're not there to get the job. Mm-hmm. Like that's the ideal, but you're there just to do your job and your job there is to do the acting bit. I mean, when I first like, I won't mention the name of the agency, but the first meeting I had, I, the showcase I did it, I did this Roy Williams piece, which was quite very London, and I went into the room and they're like, oh, you actually speak like that. Yeah, you're going to have to change that. I mean, that's what you're dealing with like 10 years ago. I mean, it's changed, obviously. Yeah. It's changed quite a bit. But so always in those rooms, I always felt like people who were directors, casting directors, whatever they were, were better than me. They mm-hmm. knew more. And as and as a performer or an art, artist, or it depends on your job, is like you're just, you are always at the bottom. You're constantly dealing with rejection. And as soon as I sort of made a switch and realized, like, I'm not being present in the room, I'm, I'm trying to get the job, I'm trying to impress. And actually, all my job is to do is like, if you gave me this job, this is how I do it. This is how I play the character and there's an empowerment in that and you walk away and you realize because it's so out of your control what they think because they've already cast the brother or sister and you look nothing like them Mm -hmm. or you're too tall or it's not what the writer had in mind or they've already cast olivia coleman uh, and so there's no way that you pass you know what i mean but they've got to see some people in case she doesn't say the role Uh so it's so out of your control and then so when you leave the room you've done your job and you can leave and you're not worried about how well you've done do you know Mm -hmm. what i mean like you've done the best you can in that time if they give you the script the night before how can you be expected to like be off book with 10 pages and nail it it's you've not given me the tools and so with, the, with those guys, with the guys of Open Door, we're sort of saying, you've done your monologue work, you've prepared. Even teaching people to prepare properly, like, mm-hmm. we don't, innit? We're like, oh, I can't sort of learn the lines, I'm mm. going to say it out loud. I've prepared in the interview bit, I'm just going to be me. And I have to try and be what I think they want me to be, which we can often feel like we're in rooms. And so when they leave those auditions, they're like, I've done my bit and that's it. Mm-hmm. So whether they get a recall or not, there's a confidence in that. Yeah. I think... I a wish someone of taught me that when I was rather than a feeling of yeah. failure. Yeah. yeah, it's got nothing to. It was out of my control. I did. I did the best I could, and that's all I can do. And if you, I think if we can get young people thinking like that, like you said, you, mm-hmm. I wish someone had told me that a lot longer, and I might have been a lot better. And I was, I guess, I was just fortunate enough that I got a lot of like, <laughs> I just made it through enough no's. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's really important. I think you know the biggest part of the job is self-esteem and responsibility and I think we can often think like well especially as performers and stuff like um I'm just waiting for the phone to ring people are gonna someone's gonna give me something I mean maybe you know as a comedian like obviously it's a lot of your own work anyway Mm -hmm. but a lot of actors sort of need to learn that that doesn't mean you have to write your own thing and all anything like that but just taking responsibility of like things are a bit crap okay how do I how do I move on from that rather Mm -hmm. than like waiting for this magical thing to happen and I think if you can instill that in young people from a young age in terms of self-esteem and then responsibility, like I'm in charge of my path in yeah. some way and things that happen to me um, that are out of my control, there's nothing I can do about that, then I think we're setting people up for, we're setting people up for that rejection. That is yeah. part Definitely. of it. 
Um, so that was a bit of a long speech, wasn't it? No, loved yeah. it. Absolutely amazing. The arts is a really beautiful place for young people to start kind of getting a bit of direction and and I think it can really help with kind of mental health as well. Getting that kind of confidence and, and like learning new techniques and exploring this new world. Mm. Um, I've found personally that working in the arts is very good for mental health because it, um, it instills you with confidence, it gives you self-esteem, it gives you a friendship group and these sense of community. Clear. How important have you seen that with the young people that you work with? Yeah, I mean, I guess what we just talked about obviously is the fact that like all that rejection, all that um, having to re-interview essentially all the mm-hmm. time, reaffirm your ability and you can go into rooms and some cast director thinks you're the most amazing thing ever and then some people and most think you're underwhelming and like that's generally the pattern mm. but absolutely like it can be really empowering and i think that's why i mean with that responsibility bit if we can get that in them that it's kind of some of it is in their own hands yeah then they, they could feel better about it but absolutely like you do like i mean the perfect sort of open door story is someone comes in like they're not good enough feeling unconfident and by the end of it, they're completely confident and they're in. But that confidence has been a massive, massive part of it. Yeah. It's massive. That's that's probably most of the work. Mm. And I think as performers, you know, like, when you're really confident, you probably do your best work because you're not in your head and there's not all those voices in your head. And I obviously do a lot of comedy, but, like, acting's, what, you know, my way in. And and whole through drama school was, like, get rid of the 4-4, get rid of the 4-4, get rid of, just pretend no one's in. I was like, I'm too freaking self-conscious for that. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's not going to happen. And as soon as I realised, like, you're there... I'm good with that. Mm-hmm. I know you're there. Okay, now I can be okay with that. If I spend the whole time trying to pretend something's not that it is, then I I, I, I can't deal with it. Mm-hmm. So sort of also going like, okay, you're feeling these things. I'm going to accept that. That's how I feel. I'm not going to spend my whole time not trying to feel nervous. Yeah. I feel nervous and that's okay. Yeah, is that, is that, is yeah, yeah absolutely. I had to make similar. So I find eye contact so difficult, so difficult. It, it Sometimes I'll be aware that I'm making eye contact and my brain will be like, you're doing it, you're making eye contact. Mm. And then I'll be like, shit, you're making eye contact. I, I don't know why. I just find it very difficult. Mm. But as a stand-up, you're in front of a crowd. You've got mm. to... So for my first few years, I, I did a public speaking thing once and they said to do a Z with your eyes so you're bringing everybody in but you're never actually looking long enough at one person so I used to always do that and I found it brilliant and I got slagged off well not slagged off I'm kind of slagged off by so many like sort of promoters or just other comics being like you never look at anybody you never make eye contact so then I was forcing myself to like stare at the front row and look and it just it affected my performance in a bad way because I was like, I'm not comfortable on stage. And then once I started to talk about mental health on stage, I felt a bit more comfortable with it. So mm-hmm. now I've started saying, as soon as I mentioned having anxiety, I'm like, so I find it really difficult to make eye contact. If you're mm-hmm. sat in the front row, you'll notice I've not fucking looked at you. And then they laugh because they're like, oh, yeah, we had noticed that you haven't looked. <laughs> and oh, it's been like a like I've turned a corner because I'm like, there was me forcing myself to do something I didn't feel comfortable with, but instead I've just gone, hey, I find it quite difficult to look you in the eye, so I probably won't look you in the eye. Is that okay? Yep, cool, brilliant. <laughs> so much. It's like finding ways to to make what works for you work in your job, kind yeah. of, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah does. Like, it does. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So as kind of founder of this organization, which does help a lot of people, do you find that you are able to look after yourself um, at a equal amount that you are looking after other people? Or is that something that usually takes responsibility and to your detriment? Yeah, like, I think this year I've been really better at, like, like have, raising enough money to have someone full time obviously takes take some off. But I've done stuff like, OK, I'm taking Sunday off because anxiety and all those things, like... My brain was just so rapid. I just speak nonsense. I wouldn't be present. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. I'm just constantly, okay. And my I couldn't focus. Like I'm like I'm here. I'm maybe talking to you, but I'm I'm thinking about all these things I have to do. And I was I was like, if I carry on at this pace, I'm gonna burn out. And friendship suffered, family stuff suffered. Uh, not just like arguments, but like I said, I didn't spend time with people because. I wasn't looking after myself at all. It's 11 o'clock and I got three hours. Like, I've got to learn some lines because there's an audition tomorrow that I haven't prepared enough because I've put Open Door first, which was a lot of other stuff. Like, yeah, I think it's fine to say. I'm back back on it, guys. But, like, <laughs> before, like, I'd be like, you know, because sometimes scripts come in the day before uh-huh. and it's, like, loads of pages and it's in your 200-page script. You're like, it's not ideal, but it usually most what you do before is, like, all right, I'll drop the afternoon and that's what I'll do. But I can't because I've got to meet you because you're going to be a partner of some sorts and I'm mm-hmm. tutoring you and I can't let that young person down. And this meeting's been the dive ages and you're very busy. You're an artistic director of a theatre or you're, you work at a channel or whatever it is. And so, therefore, I'd go in prepared, and that would give me anxiety because mm-hmm. they think I'm crap, they think I'm mm-hmm. shit because I'm doing a shit job and I'm better than this. And it was, yeah, I was going to burn out. I knew, and I feel like I'm sort of getting it back. And, like, I've always been like, if there's an issue, right, how do I solve it? How do I be like that? And I started getting this, like, slight anxiety panic, which I, th- I guess I dealt with or didn't know it was there for a while or, like, it was fine. And then I realised, like, this is too much now. And, and because mm-hmm. I didn't couldn't identify what it was, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. like... I didn't know why I was feeling those things. I wasn't like, because this happened or yeah. I've just broken up. You know, a lot of my friends might be like, I'm seeing someone, I've just gone through this breakup or mm-hmm. someone passed away. Whereas mine was like, I just have this, like, I wake up and I've got this, like, panic here mm-hmm. and I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Nothing's wrong. And I think doing that, that like, full-on year of open door where I was up till two... I'll continue that story. It was eleven o'clock, and I was like, "How do I get through the? How do I get through the night? I'll go to shop and get Hagen dice. I was nearly like three, four Hagen dice a week. Yes. Going to well, like that's my. Tr- I'm treating myself and working so hard, and it's so odd because I'll give this advice to like the young people. All this stuff I'm saying to look after yourself. Take some time to yourself. Let's schedule. Let's do all this stuff. And I don't. I wasn't taking it no. on myself. And 
And I just, and even the stuff I'm, you know, realistically, like, I think a lot of actors, a lot of performers can relate to this in terms of like, I'm giving all that advice to young people about like, don't worry about in the room, don't worry about pressing. Uh-huh. I'm doing it myself. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Sometimes I'm like, oh, they think I'm crap. Like, it's a constant, um, uh, it's a constant battle. But yeah, I'm trying to be better at it. And, you know, in terms of like young people in general, I say is that, okay, you're feeling these things, maybe go talk to your GP or here's mm-hmm. all this stuff. And the, and the issue is when you're dealing with people who, have um are from low income backgrounds, they can't afford a sixty pound, hundred pound therapist, yeah. forty pound therapist. It's like we're like, what do we do? Do you know what I mean? Like, do we have to try and get someone on side? But where are barriers in terms of responsibility? Like actually are we just an arts organization? Should we be going that far in terms of um not not crossing boundaries, but absolutely like referring people to to GPs, at least doing that first. I know that's very that's more cognitive stuff, which could be sort of short term helpful. Yeah. But myself going, I did a couple of sessions and then I got felt a bit bad because she was charging me for sessions that I wasn't going to, mm. that I wasn't cancelling last minute and I felt a bit like conscious about that. But apparently <laughs> some people say it's normal practice, but it isn't. But absolutely I've got a number in my phone that I'm ready to test. Although everything's alright at the moment, like let me just make sure that mm-hmm. because a year ago it was it was mad. And shouldn't use the word mad because of these very reasons. But but um I think that I'm trying to be better in terms of like, yeah, taking Sundays off and making sure like I don't feel guilty for taking time off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um was there a point that you got to where you realised that you needed to start looking after yourself? Or was it just kind of a gradual thing of I I haven't figured it out yet. Yeah. So I feel like sometimes I I'm like I used to be so sensitive. I used to be like the most sensitive fellow and I went to sort of like your typical like story of like in a city London school where like you don't cry all that same story and uh, like Jihadi John went to my school that's the kind of school I went to that's our Flame famous alumni yeah. <laughs> Shola Amar Jihadi John and Talisa from N-Dubs those are, <laughs> those are, those are that's why that's, what a that's, dinner yeah, party yeah yeah yeah, yeah. stories to tell <laughs> and um and yeah, it was pretty rough and all that. My home was fine, like everything was nice there. So school was really hectic. And I know I wanted to, when I finished school, I wanted to go to Bristol Old Vic, the street mm-hmm. school, because I thought the whole of London was like what I saw as like kiddlehood. Like it was violent and ready to go. Like, you know, and, and, and people find it mad about like people carrying knives, but I definitely thought about carrying a knife mm-hmm. because I was so fearful. Yeah. And I think that's probably led to, I go, oh, I'm fine now and la la la. And actually, like, talking to that therapist at times, like, actually, you've gone through these, like, traumas. And I was like, that's such a big word. Like, <laughs> I'm not sure about that. I've gone through some stuff. And actually, As you're like, sharpening your knives, me, yeah. trauma. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, and and I guess I cracked on with life. Mm-hmm. And I just always, you know, on and on. And then you realise, actually, maybe that stuff did take a hit somewhere do you know what I mean like maybe that did do something for your confidence if you're constantly bullied or whatever it is but that raises an interesting point actually because if you felt like that when you were younger was that a bit of the inspiration behind opening starting Open Door I mean London we're very lucky like there's so much stuff like I try to sometimes remind the London lot that actually like although like times are hard like they're not as hard as if like you're from a town somewhere, like some of the parts of East Mids, like Derby, like the only arts organisation is, is the theatre itself. Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing in the area. So if you're a young person into the arts, you're just not exposed to that. Yeah, As we know, like arts, there's PE teachers teaching art and drama on a rotation. Like that's mm-hmm. the level, that's what we're dealing with. And people telling me I was, I was like insane to think that like I could be an actor. Like that was such a massive thing. But like I sort of knew no other thing. And I think that self-esteem stuff, I think absolutely like my ability to make someone hopefully build their confidence through their acting is my ability to absolutely spot why their acting's not quite working at the moment. It's because they're thinking in a certain way, they're confident. Because I was so neurotic and in my head and completely conscious the whole time 
that I feel like I completely understand where they're coming from. Whereas you like, you know, performers who have absolute blind confidence. They're not always the best ones, but absolutely <laughs> blind confidence. Um, uh, that you're like, I don't know how you're doing that. That is amazing that you can have that confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think because my understanding of that, I guess, um, and the dip into the two worlds, but also being them, being yeah. that anxious young person and, and understanding it, I guess, mm-hmm. without... Yeah, I think so, perhaps. <laughs> when was the first time you were made aware of mental health, like, positive or negative mental health being a thing? Well, obviously, like, mental health was only seen as, like, crazy. Mm. You are sectioned mm-hmm. or you're having a breakdown. or Those those were sort of the extremes. Depressed, I think people need depression. Mm-hmm. I think that was a thing. But that was felt a very extreme thing. Um, it was actually, like, it's only a few years, really, isn't it, that people, here we are doing this podcast, like, it's yep. only a few years that, like, people are identifying it as different. Yeah, like, it's not just black and white. It's yeah. Like, there's a whole... Model of mess there in the middle. <laughs> yeah, the whole model of mess. And I think we're at such a weird time where we're still sort of figuring it out. Completely. And this might be a bit controversial, but we're also living in a time where, like, uh, labelling everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, at one point, I've had two partners say to me, like, I think you might be ADHD. And I'm like, oh God, what? No. And I'm thinking, like, what if I am? Like, but actually, like, so glad I wasn't... If I am, I don't know if I am. Maybe I should get checked out. But, uh, but... If I was, like, how that would have affected my thing. And mm-hmm. I think you're, so many young people are aware of, like, mental. I've got mental health issues. And that's us still understanding what that means and what degree. Mm-hmm. And actually, like, okay, how much of it is actually confidence-wise, like, oh, we're still in our 20s and we're figuring out, like, when we get in our 30s. I don't know the point I'm making, but I guess what I'm trying to say is it's still this grey area. Like, yeah. absolutely, we're still going, this is mental health issues. Absolutely. But it's still this grey area of, like, hang on, what does this still mean? Because mm-hmm. it's so so new um but i think we are really identifying things we've always felt that anxious that i had that mm-hmm. yourself had and we are identifying them and like i said that oh trauma what are you talking about like i'm all right but actually maybe i'm not all right <laughs> yeah. like actually maybe i'm not all right um and the fact that like the government the nhs us haven't caught up that like there isn't anywhere we can go unless we've got private care yeah, and mostly. social media is ma- massive 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 problem massive problem i feel it like even on the left side obviously like i've now following i've gone a bit of, i've gone all over the place haven't i but even on the left <laughs> side where like we're talking about right on this diversity la 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 yeah. that can be so stressful mm-hmm. because you can constantly feel that things are so so bad mm-hmm. and everything's so polarized i think that we weren't really that political. Some people were, like, but essentially weren't that political. And when Brexit happened, suddenly everyone was really politicised, which is totally. a beautiful, brilliant thing. Mm-hmm. And so much so, like, there was that tweet that went out, I was like, oh, poor Taylor Swift and Tom Hiddleston, like, no one, no one gives a damn <laughs> yeah. because they've gone for this BPR campaign and no one actually cares. Um, and, and I think that sort of leaked into the arts world a bit and this sort of polarisation of everything. Yeah, indeed. Like, mm-hmm. black, white, I'm right, you're wrong, and a sort of self-righteousness into it, mm-hmm. without grey, without conversation. So much so that we're absolutely, like, taking people down, ruining careers on things. Yeah. Now, some stuff, if someone is overtly racist, if someone is sex, all those things, absolutely, absolutely. But sometimes they're without context, sometimes we're reading the clickbait, the lines, mm-hmm. um, quotes that someone's taken out of complete context. And I think that can just be a constant stress exactly. and, uh, and, a, and, a, and a pressure for young people to feel like, I have to be involved or this isn't for me. Mm-hmm. Because of this reason, I don't do too much on Twitter in terms of that stuff. Um, but I wrote this one where I wrote this thing that was like, we have to be responsible with our voices. And it's not about shutting up, but we have to be responsible because it is having an effect on us. And it's having an effect on young people in terms mm-hmm. of like, 
we have the balance with all the positive stuff that's going on, all the brilliant things that are going, be it this podcast, be it mm-hmm. this has changed already, this is happening in the northeast, this is keeping the northeast into it, but this is happening. <laughs> but like, there is so much amazing stuff going on. Yeah. But if you just looked on Twitter, even on the left side, you'd be like, the world is awful. And it's stressful. I remember Cape Verde having my holiday mm-hmm. and I'd like, right, I'm not going to do it. And as soon as I looked at it, just the constant stress, yeah. like, this is shit, we need to change this, which is all absolutely right. But the effect it's having off is, is mad. And I think that I, absolutely the rise in young people with mental health issues, and that does play a massive part part in it. Especially when it comes to self-confidence as well, yeah. because as a society, it's only been 10 years since we've been able to have all of human information in a rectangle in our pocket. And our brains haven't evolved in those 10 years to be able to accept that yeah. amount of information. Yeah. That's just a of scientific fact so the fact that young people are now getting access to more information than any other human in in the entirety of the human race their brains just haven't caught up with how to process Mm -hmm. all of these different images be it bad positive and these images of what they are supposed to be doing what they're supposed to be thinking and of course it just becomes more politicized and angry as it gets going and it's so difficult um i have spoken to like quite a few young people that say they do practice self-care quite a lot on social media now which is something that that hasn't really been taught or anything like that. Because there's that great argument of kids should be, um, parents should be t- like, telling their kids what to do on social media. It's like, but the parents never grew up with it. Exactly. And like, I was part of the generation where we had like MSN Messenger and stuff. It just yeah. kind of happened around us. We, but we never got taught how to use it. And then with the younger generation, it's like, here's a. I have fully grown up Pandora's with the internet. Yeah. yeah. Our last question is. Do you have any advice to your younger self regarding your mental health or how you live your life without misery? Yeah, I do, it, it's all the basic stuff like, you're okay, mate. Like, you're okay. Like, everything's okay. Um, Get a British Museum membership sooner. Get a British Museum. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe talking to people more, but I don't know if that would have would have done anything. Like, I think as a young man, you have to pretend everything's okay all the time. Um, I mean, yeah, it's just the obvious one of, like, you're okay, mate, like things take time and to take the pressure off yourself and all those all the stuff I guess we're teaching all the open door lot yeah which is probably why like you said actually it's probably why I do it it's like actually I wish someone had mm-hmm. done that with me or people did do that with me and how can I pass that on yeah um yeah sorry I don't know if I have anything that interesting no, that's a great answer lovely answer beautiful thank you so thank much you man. thank much. you so much thank thanks you. for having me no our pleasure entirely We hope you can take something from this podcast away with you in your day-to-day life. Whatever situation you're in, you're not by yourself. We can share our stories, share our experiences. We can help each other know that things do get better. And that's episode 17. Done. Crushed it. Done. Oh, yeah, okay. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, thank you so much for David for coming in and letting us bother him for a little bit. And if you wanted to find out more about Open Door and if you could kind of get involved and help out... Um, just just Google it. Just Google it. Um, I, I didn't write down the website address in my notes for this outro, so you uh, just Google it. I Yeah, that's the uh, most information I can give you at this point. Uh, thank you to Lauren, obviously. Um, do you know what? Thank you to me. Never do that. Never thank myself. Uh, I, I don't do that much. And uh, thank you to Dave and thank you to Calm for letting us make this strange little podcast. Um I should do this every week, really, but um, I always forget. But if you've got a few extra quid just lying around and you feel like just donating a bit of extra money to Calm, uh, you can just go to, I think it's dave.uktv. Is it? Yeah, dave.uktv.co.uk forward slash Calm. 
uh, or something. Just Google Dave and uh, Calm. Or just Google Calm, actually. Just go straight in. Uh, but if you could donate some money, that'd be grand. Uh, they're an amazing charity. They do some incredible work. And uh, all the money that we could possibly raise for them will be used in an excellent way. Uh, anyway, that's probably enough of me speaking. Um, if you could, yeah, like, subscribe, rate, review, tell people about the podcast, all that jazz. But I won't go into that too much in this outro because I say it every bloody week. And at this point, you must be sick of it. Um, that's it. That's it. That's all the admin. That's all I've got. Come back next week if you want to. Uh, it'd be nice if you did. Uh, bye, 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 bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Would you give your mum, dad, aunt or that uncle who hugs your partner a little too long free access to your phone? Oh no! Oh my god, it's, it's a really long video! Ew! In Dave's brand new YouTube original, Get Off My Phone, we've got six comedians to give their phones over to a relative with total freedom to read messages, DMs, photos and browser history. What's your social history? Sorry? What to do, tips for relief. The rules are simple. Their relative can read anything they want and even make calls from the comedian's phone. What is this? What is I don't want this one. That, that looks really okay. bad. Starring Tanya Moore, Anya Magliano, Finlay Christie, Travis J with his mum, Angie Lamar, Hayley Morris, Grace Campbell and dad, Alistair Campbell. Slightly sexually compromising <laughs> Divulging their deepest digital secrets. <laughs> what the hell is happening? Get off my phone, a Dave YouTube original. Available now on Dave's YouTube channel.